You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back, Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being here. Gary Hill again. Finally, Mariners and Blue Jays. So pumped for this one. Uh, on the podcast today, I hope you enjoy this one. At least uh, gives you something to do till the big game, I think. So uh, Aaron Goldsmith and I will chat for about 36 minutes to be uh, – I'm giving you kind of precise numbers in case you want to fast forward uh, because I would say the first 26, we go in-depth – about this series, about this game against the Blue Jays. Uh, and then it kind of goes off the rails. And then we pick it up at about the 36-minute mark with a conversation I haven't played yet on the podcast. I, I'm not sure why it hasn't been in there yet. But uh, new GM, Justin Hollander, Aaron and I had a chance to sit down and just kind of talk about the season in general, not so much about the preview of the first matchup against the Blue Jays. But I thought, you know, on a day like this, if you have some time, want to do something, Mariners before the game, I think it's a conversation you'll enjoy. In the meantime, here's Aaron and I just giving our thoughts and how we look at this game and this matchup against the Blue Jays. When I think about postseason, here's what I think about immediately. I think about your best guy in the mound against the other team's best guy in the mound. I think of two dudes going at it on the hill big pitching matchup big big pitching matchups that's i love that about the postseason and i love that we are getting an amazing matchup in game one with castillo on one side and alec manoa on the other this is a great matchup well and the start of the postseason always gives you the best right because once you get into let's say the divisional series and Right, you've got the other teams won because of the new playoff mm-hmm. format, and they're arrested. But you're going in with your whatever, not your one potentially because of uh, depending on how long in this case the wild card round goes. So yeah, we are getting it. We're getting the first cut. I mean, here it is. It doesn't get better. Uh, if you weren't going to play games at T-Mobile Park, I think this would be my favorite place to watch a game. Ooh, yes. Now, this I'm not saying that this ballpark is great. The ballpark is like a huh. It's but. When you get, I heard somebody say today 55,000, which I, I'm going to say I don't think that's accurate. 50, I could believe. Feels like it, though. I mean, it is, this is just an enormous place. It is so loud. You know, Canadians are so nice, Gary, and yet they're surly. They save it all up. They do. They, they unleash all the mean, all the anger, all the just pettiness. If Canadians are even, I don't think they even, do they have a word in their language for that? No, I don't think they do. It doesn't exist. No. And so, they're gonna. It's gonna be incredible here. It really will be. I can't wait. Do, are you prepared from a level standpoint on the, on the broadcast to make sure that we're not drowned out? We may have to turn them all off. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we're prepared for. I mean, it's gonna be. This is such a great matchup in so many ways about how these teams match up against one another. And for those who have not followed the Blue Jays closely, Alec Manoa is a dude. He's an enormous... First of all, he, yeah, I was going to say, he, enormous is the word I was going to use. He's a mountain of he's, a man. He's Goliath. Yes. He's just gigantic. Yes. I mean, his head is... like if The few times I've gone bowling in the last 10 years, the bowling ball that I use is smaller than his head. Yes. He's enormous. 
He's a colossal man. Yes, and he pitches with an edge. Like he's not yeah. afraid to get into it with the he opponents. Was, hey, he was the uh, he was the Garrett Cole. If he wants to say something, yeah, cross the cross. Audi lo- logo. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. he's saying that to Garrett Cole. Yes, I mean, yeah, he's got some he's got some real fun in him for sure. He and he's super interesting. Like some of the conversations we've had about some Mariner pitchers this year, he's gone way beyond his innings. He's He's doing things he's never done. Like, he's closing in on 200 innings. But uh, his, I think he's given up six runs in his last eight starts. He's been phenomenal. It's interesting how he does it, too, because he's not overwhelming when it comes to stuff. But it's just weak contact all the time. You know, the fastball is like 94. Yeah. And it doesn't get a ton of swing and miss. The slider is his swing and miss pitch. And yet, if you look at... Like Savant and Fangraphs, they do the, the run value for pitches. Like the run value on his fastball is extraordinary. Yeah, and he's at 94. I mean, it's you know essentially just in terms of the straight velo, kind of an average fastball, but it clearly plays and pairs so well with his slider. I mean, he's doing something really, really well with that pitch in particular. And I, I, I just love the fact that you are going to get a guy who is a total part of the Blue Jays. Uh, right now and future, right? Mm. I mean, they were talking to him earlier today, and they said, hey, when when the COVID season happened, you were in the alt site. I know. And now, two years later, you're an all-star and a game one starter. And you think about where the Mariners are and all the players that they had mm-hmm. in that COVID season that weren't up in the show yet, or maybe who were, but were just in the very early stages of their career. So that kind of subline of, where the Blue Jays are in terms of, uh, they're certainly not rebuilding, and they have so many stars, but guys who have come up and helped make them this playoff team, uh, some similarities in that regard to the Mariners, and for them, it's it's their frontline starter, which when you think about the money they spent on Gaussman and to have Manoa do it, I mean, it tells you how great of a season he's had. It really does. And when I think about the question, how do the Mariners win this series against the Blue Jays? And I think game one is critically important. I, I think you can say that about any three-game series, obviously, but I think especially in this series, I guess the blueprint is something that we saw earlier this year when Manoa pitched against the Mariners at T-Mobile Park, and he was great. He happened to give up a two-run home run to Carlos Santana, and Robbie Ray pitched six innings, and the Mariners' bullpen was great, and the Mariners win a two-to-one game. I feel like the Mariners are going to have to win this game through their blueprint. Great starting pitching. Don't have to go deep. Hand the lead to the bullpen. Close it down. And hopefully you run into one or two along the way to provide your runs. Hopefully there's some guys on when you do it. Maybe a couple of walks beforehand. But I feel like that's the formula how the Mariners win games in this series. Anything can happen, but can the Mariners realistically win this wild card round in Toronto? giving up more home runs than they hit. I mean, we've seen last year in the postseason, there's only a couple of times in all the postseason games last year where a team actually won a game while being out homered. I don't think that's just a Mariners reality. I think that's an every team reality, especially in the postseason. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Look at this series. Look at the starting pitching we're going to see in this series if it goes three games on both sides. You just can't expect to string together four or five hits in an inning against a guy. You're just you're going to have to run into a ball or two. If you can get, in the first three innings, if you can get a home run, oh, I just, 
I know. Just get him the lead, man. I know. Just get get him the lead. If, and you know, too, Castillo, man, he's going to feed off of this place. Yeah. And if you get him the lead and he starts to smell that, and he knows. I mean, they're going to be very clear with him what the blueprint is that you were laying out, right? And he knows the bullpen guys that he has coming in behind him. And it's the dudes. It's mm. the guys. And if you can get them any semblance of a lead, Scott's going to air it out. I mean, he's going to do everything he can to take game one. It is the, it's the most critical game of the entire postseason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it, right? And so uh, I, it's funny because we all are excited for this three-game series. And yet, I mean, tell me I'm crazy here. You can't. Like, I, I would feel really good. Really good is that's a big statement. I would feel, I'd feel good. If this was a, the old wild card format. Oh, one game. Like, I would feel good about it. Yeah. I really would feel good about it. Because you can air out the bullpen. You can air it out. Which I think they'll do anyway in game they one. They will. But, I like, with Castillo, now I'm not I'm, – I'm, we just we just spent five minutes praising Manoa for how right. nasty he is. So yeah. I'm not overlooking that at all. But you feel – you have to feel – you have to feel so good about this game – based on the matchup and how right-handed heavy the Blue Jays are and the guys that you have coming out of your bullpen who are arrested and one of the best right-handed starting pitchers in baseball going for you in game one. Anything can happen. The Blue Jays could, hey, man, they could hit three home runs by the sixth inning. Yeah. And you would say, yeah, you know, they're just a really good team and they're in their home ballpark and they didn't go through customs at three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it, it's, that can happen. And that's, please don't, you know, misinterpret what I'm saying. But I feel really good about game one. And I think you touched on something that needs to be emphasized. When you say right-handed heavy, the Blue Jays are. And it's to the extreme. They've rolled out lineups this year where every single guy in the lineup was right-handed. Yes. All their dudes are right-handed. And when you think about the Mariners' bullpen, which is essentially all right-handed, when you talk about when you have a lead, the guys you're going to go to in a big spot. And who chew up right-handers. Yeah. These aren't like a bunch of fluky guys with reverse splits. Yeah, it's all slider monster, out pitch, that kind of thing. Now, as you point out, these are all great hitters. They can hit righties too. And but they've hit righties well this year. Yeah, but when you look at that matchup and the elite secondary options the Mariners' bullpen has, that puts an opposing team in a bad spot, especially if the Mariners can grab a lead at some point, even if it's just a one-run lead. The Blue Jays saw it. Now, I don't, I don't think that the matchup at T-Mobile Park has any impact on this series at all. Like, they played each other. The Mariners swept them. I just think there are things to look at. If the Mariners can't repeat that again, right. they can win. Although, I don't think it has any bearing. Think about the Blue Jays have a different manager. I mean, on top of everything else, there's a lot of differences between these two teams then and now. I totally agree. None of that matters. The Mariners could have been swept by 100 runs to the Tigers, and it doesn't matter right, right now. So it, we all know that it, it, the refresh button has been hit, and it starts all over again right now. I do think, whether we're talking about the Blue Jays series or, God willing, a divisional series and beyond, the Mariners' skill set this year does bode well for postseason baseball. They have hit enough home runs. They've been the best home run hitting team since the start of August mm -hmm. in all of baseball. For the year, they've hit an adequate number of home runs, right? They've had sufficient power. They 
strike out about middle of the pack. They are one of the best teams at walking. They're a top three to five team in terms of walk rate. And on the pitching side, they control the strike zone, right? Their bullpen since the roughly midway point in June, it's got the best strikeout rate in baseball. And they don't walk anybody. Or they don't walk many. So uh, you think about that in addition to the fact we, you know, we've been so focused on the wild card round for good reason. When you look at a three-game, a five-game, and a seven-game series, you can make the case that the Mariners are at a disadvantage in a three-game series. The longer the series gets, the greater the advantage can tilt. Now, maybe not when you're playing the Dodgers. <laughs> yes. But, you know, when your opponent aside it can tilt in the Mariners' favor simply because they have a starting rotation that has been as consistent and deep as nearly any in the game. I mean, they have a, a lead dog in Castillo and then a bunch of guys who are either like 1Bs or 2s. Yeah. And it's the unfortunate part about this series because the Mariners have a big depth advantage in the rotation over the Blue Jays. That won't necessarily it won't, it won't show get, up. It won't get exposed. And because the Blue Jays 1-2 is about as good as it gets. And you only need three starters yeah. if it's a three-game series. Maybe it's only a two-game series. You only need two. But Manoa and Gosman, it's a really good 1-2 punch. Stripling will be their other starter. Barrios hasn't had the kind of year they wanted. I mean, they signed Barrios to be their guy. He really hasn't been that. So You didn't say, you didn't say another pitcher, by the way. You've missed a name. Yeah, yeah. Well, you say Kikuchi was signed as well to be a part of things, and he he, he hasn't either. So they had a couple of big misses. I mean, Brio still has time. Out, time out, yeah. real quick. Don't yeah. You, don't you wish, like Robbie Ray's coming back to Toronto? Don't you wish that Kikuchi was good oh. and dealing, and he was a top toe to starter? Toe? And game two, game two, or maybe goes to game three. I know where this is never Neverland right now, but that would have been awesome. Yeah. I mean, the Robbie Ray aspect alone. Yes. Coming up in oh game two. Oh my gosh. Is going to be marvelous, especially if the Mariners take game one. And it's interesting how the Blue Jays are playing this because they have not committed to a game two starter. It feels like to me that they're waiting on the results of game one. We'll see how it plays out. But it feels like if they win game one, it won't be Gosman in game two. It'll be Stripling and Gosman would go in game three. But if the Mariners win game one, it would for sure be Gosman. And then it would set them up two. for Gosman in game one of the DS. Yep. If they sweep in two. That's what I think. That's the game I think they're playing. And Stripling does not have name value of the other guys we've talked about, but he's had a dynamite. He's had a really good year. Dynamite, yeah. yeah. Moving into the rotation. Yeah. I, you know, going back to a statement I made, saying I want to clarify, like, I feel really good about game one. When I say that, I'm not, like, I don't want people to be uh, – Slapping back at me if the Mariners lose in Game One. Sure. I mean, I'm not like, saying I'm not saying that. The, oh, I think the Mariners are going to roll over the Blue Jays. But if you look at this Blue Jays team, what they were predicted to do this year, and obviously they fell short in some ways, right? I mean, right. People thought they could win the East. You know, the Yankees win almost 100 games. Judge and does a what World he does. Series favorite in a yes, lot of ways. Absolutely. I mean, if you picked the Blue Jays to go to the World Series, you were not a fool coming out of spring training. For sure. Right. And so. When you think about coming to their ballpark, flying all the way across the country in front of 50,000-plus fans. I think you should increase the number every time you reference When you play in front of 82,000 <laughs> Canadians, 
which is what there will be here. Uh -huh. There will be 87,000 fans here for the Blue Jays. <laughs> You've never seen 100,000 people like you will come game one of this series. It'll be remarkable. I mean, to think about the fact that you know, this, isn't, this isn't a case where the Mariners break, break the drought and they're just this sneaking in to the playoffs, hey, attaboy, you got here, so feel good about it. Right. I mean, the Mariners are coming here, and they've got a roster that can legitimately go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Blue Jays and beyond. Yeah. And to me, when I think back to when the Mariners tore it down, and you think about how close the Mariners got in some of those years before the teardown, you know, the, the, we were always talking, hey, oh, say, if, if this team wins and that team loses and the Mariners win, you get a 163 in Kansas City or whatever it was, right? I mean, we didn't focus on this at the time because we were so focused on the Mariners trying to sneak into the playoffs. But I think if we really reflected on it and kind of zoomed out, we would know that it wasn't a sustainable team. Yeah. I mean, it was, hey, you would have broken the drought at 18 years or 17 years, but uh, the next year? Nah, I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. But what the Mariners have now, not only are you in it, not only are you a legit contender, but you've got something. You're going to be better next year, in theory. Yeah. I mean, you will be better. And so, I well... To bottom line it for this series, it's two really good teams playing two or three games. Yeah. And they're baseball games. Like, no result would be shocking. No result would be shocking. If the Mariners swept the Jays, if the Jays swept the Mariners, if either team won <laughs> two to one. Like, seriously. You're right. None of that yeah. is surprising. Maybe there'll be surprises along the way. Like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But that's, that's baseball. But I... I think these are just two really good teams Absolutely. that are matching up in the first round. And the, and the Mariners are on house money. Yeah. Like, I, Scott is Much more than the Blue Jays. There's more pressure on 100%. the Blue Jays because of what we talked about before. Because you can make the case they've underachieved. Yes. Yes. Oh, they fired their manager yeah. <laughs> during the season. And thank goodness for them that it picked back up. It's, yeah. not, a, it's not a guarantee, obviously. Yeah. yeah Brian Schneider, who was an in-house guy, he's been a system guy. He was in the minors with a lot of that core as they were coming up. So a familiar guy to that group and had a lot of credibility. And they've taken off essentially since then. They've had a great September. But there is a lot of expectations on this Blue Jays team because it was, you know, they're thinking World Series. And it's interesting well, while we're having the Julio celebration, right, and the contract extension, and he's going to be a Mariner for a long time, there's already talk in Toronto because there has not been a Bichette extension. There has not been a Vladdy extension. So the window's not shut by any means for the Blue Jays, but I think they're already feeling like, mm, Take advantage of it. Yeah, we gotta, we got to make a run. Let's make a run. Let's make a run. So I think there's... There's some pressure on Toronto in that regard. And Scott has said all the right things, and I do believe that he is genuine when he says it. I would have no reason to think otherwise. And that is, they're in, but they obviously have much higher aspirations than getting to the wild card round. But that being said, we have the ability to look at it from a different perspective yes. that is not in the dugout. And that is, no matter what happens in this series, when... We've had our 18th straight day of rain in January, <laughs> okay, and our fingertips are shriveled, and we haven't seen the sun in a month, right? We will still bask in the glory of Cal Raleigh's home run mm. and the Mariners making it to the playoffs and breaking the drought. And we will know the Mariners will be an even better team in 2023.
Like, we'll, we'll have that. It's bedrock. Mm -hmm. No matter what happens here. Now, obviously, if they lose here, we'll all be disappointed. No group of people will be more disappointed than those guys in that clubhouse and Scott Service and Jerry DePoto. But they're over the hump, man. They're over the hump. And at this point, you, you, feel, you feel like you've already won a playoff game because yeah. you made it to the playoffs. So there's no doubt the Blue Jays have the pressure, especially since it's in their ballpark. So let's drill down on game one. I think we both feel like Julio. You go, are you going? Going to the game? Yeah, you going to the game? I think so. Okay. I Just, mean, I'm, I'm in Toronto. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be one of 120,000 yes, people remarkable. in this building. It's, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. So I, I think we both feel like Julio is going to have a moment or moments in this series. I just I yes, think we both I, feel like I, that's I just, happening. I'm so confident in that. Who else do you think is a key to this one that maybe is not – as obvious as Julio would be an answer to that question. We're going to go outside of pitching here. We're going strictly position uh, You can player. do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I mean, Castillo's an obvious. Right. Oh, six I think, I think Castillo's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to go two different angles here. One, based on our earlier conversation about home runs, I mean, Suarez, right? Yeah. I mean, like, that's, that's where – power is coming from not yeah. that he's the only guy we all know that but that is one guy that i if i'm the blue jays i'm circling and i'm saying hey he will tag you deep at any point be yeah. careful with him right the guy that my heart wants more than anything is kelnick yeah i mean if you i'm with you 100 if you think about we'll never know we may never know but if you think about what Kelnick's Mariners career was looking like, uh, what, two weeks ago? Mm -hmm. Two and three weeks ago? Compared to now suddenly what it could be. I mean, he had the Instagram thing, right? Scrubbed it clean. Obviously was frustrated when he didn't get called up when rosters expanded. Spent a, way more time in the minors this year than anybody was hoping for. Had results of the Miners, but not in the way, in the process that the Mariners were hoping. And really, there were, I mean, he was still chasing down there early. He was still striking out. He wasn't walking enough for their liking. That started to turn around as others struggled at the major league level at the very tail end of the season. And I didn't think that we would see him again, right? I mean, the Mariners were generally winning games. I didn't think we would see Kalnick again this season. And you, who knows what happens? Who knows what his Mariners story is after this year? Yeah. But for him to come up and not press, have great process, have results. Jerry was even saying earlier today that the results have not been as good as the process, and yet we've seen the extra base hits. We've seen the power. We've seen the home runs. We've seen less chase. We've seen more walks and fewer strikeouts. I mean, if he has a great postseason – whether that be – I think that can kind of be in two levels, right? It can be the, oh, my gosh, he just hit two home runs and won a game for the Mariners. Mm -hmm. But it can also be, you know what? He was a productive contributor to a playoff lineup, yeah. and he held his own. Like, he looked like a playoff caliber hitter. We haven't – we wouldn't be able to say that for the majority of his big league career. Just give me, give me steps forward on the biggest stage, Jared Kelnick, because that would be if – you, if you forecast out – the Mariners in their absolute best form that you can envision when 
Jerry and Justin Hollander and the whole baseball ops crew made all these moves for, for years now. The best version is with Jared Kelnick being an everyday, above-average Major League outfielder. And I already feel like in this series, his defense alone yes. is massive for the Mariners in left field, especially in the type of games that we're talking about here, which we're thinking one run, two run games going late, like his defense is going to be a big factor. And yeah, I, I don't know if what you get, I don't know if it's right to say house money from Kelnick, but I will say like his expectations aren't sky high coming into this series. And if he did have a game yeah. where it was two home runs, it'd be just do what you've done for the last yeah. week or two weeks. Yes. That's right. Stay within yourself. Yeah. Because, man. But he's got the potential to have that kind of impact. Yes, he does. Absolutely. I mean, the, <laughs> it's it's so funny that the Mariners have gotten to this point without Kelnick, without Kyle Lewis, and um, you can't, to be fair, you can't say without Jesse Winker. Winker has done. But now with the production you, you have, It has not been to the level that you expected, yeah. and Jesse would say that himself, right? And so for the Mariners to be here without that, but if you start to forecast forward, uh, especially with Kelnick and the Mariners achieving the highest potential that they can have as a team, it's with Kelnick developing at a now more rapid rate. I mean, it's it's been a struggle. He's still very young, but he has shown signs since his recall that maybe this is maybe this is who he is now. And there's reason to believe that, but to be fair, it's a very small sample size, but there's something about it. We all know this. There's something about it if you did it here, right? Even if it was just in two games, even if the Mariners got bounced, if you did it here and you looked like you belong here, what that would do for him in the offseason and coming into next year would be it would be immense. Who scares you the most on the Blue Jays' side from an offense perspective? Mm -hmm. You know, the season has not been what Vlad wanted, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at his numbers last year. If it wasn't for Otani being Otani, he wins the MVP. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been him this year. Uh, but still. That being said. That being said, <laughs> I mean, it's like find me two to three games this season where Vlad Jr. has looked like an MVP. And I bet you you could circle for a sure. lot of two to three game stretches, yeah. right? It's in there. And there's no question. And if you were in the pitchers meeting, I mean, Bichette's been the hottest. Right, he's been great for he's, a while. He's been yeah. tremendous. He controls the strike zone well. He's got power. He's got contact. He sprays the ball. Uh, but Vlad's the guy who's going to hit it to the third deck and change the game with one swing. It's terrifying. Yeah, terrifying is the perfect word. I, I will say, I just every chance I get to watch Alejandro Kirk, I'm excited. I mean, yes. it's just he's just the greatest. And he's a personal catcher <laughs> from Manoa too, so we know he'll be behind the plate. I'm so excited for that. He's a great hitter. He's a great catcher. Yeah. He's an out-of-nowhere guy. I mean, we saw him a little bit in years past, but nobody thought he'd be an all-star, I don't think. Did you think he'd be an all-star? No. Wrong? Okay. You know, as I've thought about how this game maps out for the Mariners, and I, I think about Bo Bichette and Vlad as a pocket. Like, those, those are the two that can completely destroy you and change a game, right? I think about, as we reflect after the game, if the Mariners get... Two at-bats from both those guys against Castillo. One at-bat from both of those guys against Paul Sewald. 
and one at bat from both those guys against Andres Munoz. I think that's how, ideally, the Mariners would love to pocket things out. We'll see how it plays out. And they could still have a great day. They could each have three hits and t hit two home runs. But if they do, they will have earned it against Castillo twice, Seawald once, and Munoz once. They'll have to earn it big time. By the way, we left a name off this whole conversation. Uh, Alec Manoa, when he was speaking to the media today, was talking about some of his teammates that have postseason experience, and he brought up a former World Series MVP, mm. one we know very well, and yes. George Springer. And he thought that Springer had in somewhere near 100 games played in the postseason, which seemed high. Yeah, that seems I like mean, a They've lot. been in the postseason a lot, so we looked it up. It was just over 60. I think it was 63. Yeah. But then I looked at his home run total in the postseason. He said 19 postseason home runs. All right, Gary, I got a game for you. Oh, game, yes. This is really hard. George Springer ranks sixth all-time, tied for sixth all-time in postseason home runs. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can you tell me any of the five players above him? One okay, this is great. I feel like it's going to lean heavier towards modern day because there's just more playoff it's games. Great, it's great thinking. Now than there used to be, right? Great thinking. Although maybe there's some Yankees. No, in like the mix. Uh, Reggie Jackson is ninth all time, with just yeah. one fewer than Springer. And he played. He played in a lot of postseason uh, series. But Babe Ruth is 14th all time with 15 yeah. home runs. Like Reggie Jackson went to the postseason all the time, but it was two rounds a lot of those times. So you know, there's only so many games. This is. A great question. Uh, and very difficult. It's so, so he hard. He is sixth all time. Is it's that tied. right? He is, you know, he, I take it back. He's tied for fifth. He's tied for fifth. Tied for fifth. He, okay. The, the guy he is tied with. That's incredible. The guy he is tied with is an active player. And there's one player in front of him who is the second most. I would have never guessed. This is a hard list. I mean, you're going to hear the names. You're going to go, yeah, okay, of course. But there's so many names. That's the problem. I feel like Albert's on that list. Yes. Albert is tied with Springer with 19. Okay. Albert's one of the only guys to ever hit three post three home runs in a postseason. What's incredible game. about that is how many years he went without a postseason series. You're right. You I know, mean, the, uh, you're, he is, went, that a, is that an angel stick? I mean, it is what it is, right? But he went a large portion of his career without going to the playoffs. You're accurate. All right, so you've got the two guys tied for fifth. There are four above him. There's another active player. David Ortiz. No, that's a great guess. Where is he? He's got 17. Oh, he's close. I feel like there's a Yankee on that list. Uh, there, there are two Yankees above him. All right. Let's be thinking about the wrong era. Okay. The guy who's number two is still with this team. <laughs> I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what's I'm happening. I'm trying to give you visual clues. <laughs> that's, not, that's not helping at all. That's just Jose Altuve. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was going to say Altuve. Well, you should have. He's got the that? second most. Altuve is the second most all time. Yeah, which I'm blown away what? by. I know. I'm actually questioning if I've searched this correctly, but for combined seasons up to 2021 in the postseason, playing in the American League or wow. National League, sorted by descending home runs. How many games has he played in? The yeah, he's played in 79 postseason games. So he is actually closing hit, in on 100. He's hit a bunch of tanks. All right. Wow, good for him. All right. The number one guy with 29 postseason home runs. 29. He played in 
111 postseason games was Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez, of course. I would not have guessed Manny Ramirez. I know, but you think of Cleveland, Boston, yeah. Dodgers. Dodgers. He was in the yeah. postseason all the time. Number three on the all-time list with 22 home runs, Bernie Williams. I said Bernie Williams in my mind. Okay, why are you saving your... Number four is, of course, Derek Jeter. I actually didn't think he would be that high on the home run list, to be honest. I just don't think of Jeter as a well, home run guy, but bro, I think he when paid, you play... He, he, he's played in the most postseason games like in the history of baseball. 150? You're, that's your best guess yet, 158. <laughs> he's pl he played a season. He played a season in the postseason. That's incredible. You're going to cut all this out? This so this don't throw a first pitch fastball down the pipe to George Springer to lead off the game, right? I mean... That's what you're saying? That's pretty impressive. Okay. Are we ready for this thing tomorrow, then? Anything else we need to cover? I think it was pretty solid. I mean, I feel good about it now, Gary. I just, I feel terrible that I just, just dunked all over you right there. It's a hard, that's a hard one. I know, I feel, I mean, it's a I hard one. I was closer than it sounded, though. I just should have, say it. <laughs> <laughs> say it. In the words that, of you. Yeah, that's, you know, in our business, Gary, <laughs> you just, you have to say it, Gary. <laughs> say it. It's just, it's really simple. I'm just, I feel terrible that I just dominated you with that. But I also am self-reflective enough to know that I would have struggled with that. Even though you hear those names, you're like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you, man. We're going on a really low note. I don't know how we can kind of amp this thing back up. You look terrible right now. We're at the Rogers Center. Is it the Rogers Center or just Oh, that's Rogers a great Center? question. I, you know... At Rogers Center, I think is a more Canadian way to say it. At Rogers Centre. Yeah, you have to point out it's E. Yeah. I think that's what you do. Uh, hey, uh, for those who will be listening, uh, let's do a quick... Everyone will be listening. Thank you. That's hearing this. No, to the game. Oh, the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Derek Jeter guy. All right. For those who will be listening to the broadcast, I'm very excited. This will be the first time... That Blow has been on the radio with us. Yeah. He's going to be on for every inning. We have our whole crew here. We've got the whole crew. Uh, Blowers is going to be on every inning of every playoff game. Uh, I just, I think it's going to be really fun to have him in the booth. Yeah. And, you know, he is super amped for this. He's been here. He's done that. He's played in front of crowds like this, in front of 132,000 people. And I'm, I'm really excited for his contributions in the booth. Um I just, I can't wait. I can't wait for the broadcast. I, I have a feeling this will be our first postseason game, of course, and I have a feeling that when we're, when we're standing and the anthems are being sung, like, it's going to be... Oh, it's going to be It's going to feel like, oh, this is it, man. Yeah. It's real. I mean, there will be 144,000 people standing for the anthems, oh, all wearing blue. Canada. Let's stay in for sure. I don't know the other <laughs> words, but it is a, it is a nice anthem. It is a nice anthem. Uh, it's a very nice anthem, actually. I, I just, it's going to feel so real, and Blow is going to be dressed like a total bum because he's so excited he doesn't have to put makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> like, all he could talk about on the plane last night was, I don't have to put makeup on. Yeah. That's right, Mike. No, yes. one, will, no one sees us in this medium. Yes. Wear a hat if you want. You want to wear flip-flops flip if you want. Shave your goatee. Yeah. Whatever. Do whatever. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Hey, I, there's a little inside radio for anybody who is stuck around 
to the end of this nonsensical podcast. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. But thank you. But thank you. We sincerely appreciate it. We need you, we need more of you in our lives. Uh, Blowers has said to us, he vows he's going to shave his goatee over the winter. Yeah. Which I think is a terrible idea. I think it's a great idea. Why? You're a facial hair guy. Yeah, it's fun, though. He hasn't done it. Uh, I forget how many years he's I said. Mean, for, I mean, uh, it's a lot. Forever. Yeah. So you you heard it here first. If he, if you see him for his first stand up in spring training for a root telecast, him. and he has it on, like he has it on, like even put on, if he has his goatee, you'll know that he is not a man of his word. There, that's the type of inside knowledge you've waited to hear. On or it was gone, and his family forced him to grow it back, that's, which I, I suppose uh, it could happen. has happened to other people. Well, yeah, well, before your wife doesn't like your face, yeah. so she wants you to. Cover I don't like up. my face either, so we have that in common. You've got a full beard for a long time now. Yeah, that looks great. Thank you. Yeah, looks really nice. It gets way too long in the winter, though. Yeah, and you look you look like you're straight it's out of cold a cave. In the winter. And it's not that cold. It's like worst 40 degrees. You just talked about it raining. You're, well, you're in a row well the more hair, the more yeah. waterlogged your Look beard gets. Look at my fingers. Uh, yeah. I think we're done. Yeah. Gary, it's been great. Yeah. I'll see you at the game tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll roll out another podcast tomorrow talking about a Mariners game one win. And Do you think we'll get any returning listeners? <laughs> <laughs> if they only listen to the first 10 yeah, minutes. Like, oh, wow, this here. is really I'm good. Not, I'm not going back to that. What happened? Yeah. Eh, you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. But we'll be here. We'll be here. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. There it was, pretty rambly at the end, and here we are on a more serious note with new general manager Justin Hollander. Justin, it's always a treat to see you. Uh, we are approaching the final stretch here of the season. Things are uh, very interesting in Mariners land right now, to say the least. Big news for the ball club in recent days. Luis Castillo, who was the big fish of the trade line this year, not only did you land Castillo via the trade, you have extended him. For five years, you worked that deal with Luis Castillo and his party. And this was a, it's monumental to get him, but then tack on the extension. This is a, a massive, massive move for the Mariners. It really is. I was really excited when we acquired him. It's, it's really hard. I, I said this at the press conference. It's really hard to acquire pitchers as good as Luis Castillo. It's very hard to develop any kind of sustainable starting pitcher through the draft or international free agency. There's just a lot of attrition and, and starting pitching to have the opportunity to acquire what we think is one of the 10 best starters in baseball and then have the commitment from ownership when we acquired him to immediately ask, do you think we can extend this player to make sure that he's at the top of our rotation for years to come? 
those opportunities just they're few and far between and it was really cool that all the pieces came together in that way Luis excited to be here ownership excited about what Luis can do for us over the next five years uh and and obviously our ability to match up with his agent on you know a value that, that made sense for everybody in the scheme of things he has not been a mariner all that long how did this deal come together so quickly the day we acquired him, I spoke to his agent, uh, who happened to be out of the country and was was texting me from Italy, actually, on a family vacation. And he had said, well, when I get back, I'd like to come up and visit and just see how things are going for Luis, see if, if there's interest in talking about something more long-term. He had talked about that with Cincinnati. Um, over the years, and my sense was that there wasn't a great commitment from either side. They didn't feel like maybe he matched up with their window he wasn't sure that he wanted to be somewhere that was in a rebuild necessarily. And it happened to be, and I know others have shared this story, his first start was on the road against the Yankees. We won that game. And then he came home and pitched against the Yankees. And that was the crazy nothing-nothing mm. into 13 innings and almost overshadowed by the craziness of the extra innings in that game was how good Luis was matching up with Garrett Cole in that outing. And it was Ichiro weekend uh the following time and there's 45,000 people here every time and he has said to our coaches wow I've never been in a place like this um maybe not aware that this isn't always how it's gone for the Mariners necessarily um we're winning all the time it's a sellout every time either at home or on the road we're inducting all-time legends into our, our team hall of fame um and so while that was happening we we're actually doing Julio's deal as well uh and so uh, Luis's agent came in and visited with Jerry and I. I believe within 24, 48 hours of that, we announced Julio's deal. Everything's going great. And Luis reached out to his representatives and said, this place fits for me. We like living here. My wife, his wife had been, and kids had been here since, since we had acquired him by trade. It's a beautiful place to live. It's far from the Dominican Republic, but they want to win. The fans really care. It seems like there's a big commitment from ownership, obviously, just seeing what the extension we did with Julio and having added Robbie Ray in the offseason. He knew who his shortstop would be for the next five years with JP being under contract. Those things all seem to line up and match up for Luis. It is incredible when you hear Luis talk about wanting to be here, and he spoke immediately about the vibe, the feel, the culture, and We've talked so much ever since this regime came aboard with Jerry and Scott and yourself, what this place feels like for a player. And we get the sense we're around it, but we're also removed from it at the same time, being up here in the booth. It only has improved year after year after year. Scott is a big part of that, of course. But to hear a player from the outside who's now on the inside say that and then put his money where his mouth is right now you're yep. paying him a lot but he could choose to be anywhere and he sure. could hit the market and he could make a lot of money to me that was almost as impactful as the news of the move itself because it really was just another way to validate what's going on here absolutely and i for years i think people around the league whether it was executives or other players always talked about seattle as kind of a sleeping giant not just the city or the stadium but the market you come here during the summer it's perfect every day when the mariners have been good the community supports them in a way that is really unique in professional baseball um and then to walk into a situation like Luis walked in where you've got the best brightest young superstar in baseball you've got other pitchers around him that are all awesome like everybody's really good you've got a bullpen that's dominating 
Um, you just got players on the field who are wired the right way. They're dancing on the field after wins. Um, it's a young coaching staff that's, that's good at connecting. And I think players talk and a lot of players around the league, particularly pitchers, have spoken to other pitchers about what we have done with pitchers, how we've helped them, the success we've had in recent years. I think all those things line up and not in a, a braggy way. I just think that's like that's the reality of what has happened here over the last few years. And that's the type of environment when we started this in 2018 that we wanted to create. Create a place where our systems and programs were ready to to maximize elite level talent. And sometimes that comes from within and sometimes you trade for it. And when you have a chance to acquire Luis Castillo, you just do it because you don't get those chances. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because there's still a lot to play for this year. But looking ahead to next year, how do you feel about a rotation? Good. Of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it was actually, and I said this to people as we were making the trade, um, I said, you're probably going to think I'm crazy. I'm probably more excited about what it does for us over a full season next year and, and through this coming off season than maybe what it can do over a two-month period. And I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse. We have a lot to play for this year. But the idea of rolling out into an offseason, knowing the kind of starting pitching we have, not just the the depth, but the, the elite performance stuff, strikes, everything that you have at the top, that's like those are the things that make managers and front office people sleep really well at night. I've been in the other situation where you're like, oh, my God, who's pitching tomorrow? I have no idea if we can get through the fifth inning. You know, we went from – the softest tossing staff in the league to the the stuffiest staff in the league. And those things make you feel good. It makes you feel like you have a chance to win every night. And it just makes team building so much easier when you know for X number of years you can line up these five guys and then everything else that's coming behind them is also really good. Okay, let's let's look at the the next four years when you look at the deal that you did with Robbie Ray, four more years for Ray after this season. Now the extension for Castillo, and then you got two young, super stuffy dudes. We know them very well in George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. So you got these two young guys, these two veteran guys at the top, or the comprising four fifths of your rotation. Is that is like is that ideal when you've got you've got the veterans, you got the young guys, the mix? Because you, I would imagine, you kind of don't want it to be all swayed one side or the other, right? Yeah, you 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 do want to have a mix. It's really hard to have five young guys at once. Um, it's really hard to have five older guys at once, mm-hmm. too. Um, it's just the pitching depth is really critical. I think what we have is the right mix. You know, Marco in the fifth spot right now has been an absolute workhorse for us over the years, and that type of certainty that you know what you're getting every five days and the volume of innings over a course of a season really helps. It's really hard when you have uncertainty in, in one of the spots because everybody else seems to be always like trying to, to pick up the pace to make sure the bullpen doesn't get burnt out because you're not sure what you're getting. We feel like we have high-end performance and high-end certainty and durability from all the spots. And it also gives us room. There, Someone will get hurt. We will have an inevitable injury. We haven't this year. Like I hope I just didn't jinx our last little bit of this season here. Um, but we, somebody will get hurt at some point. We're not going to have perfect starting pitcher health. And in an ideal world, your depth is always, it's kind of what we've seen with the Astros over the years, is the next young guy up as opposed to trying to sign someone who's maybe hanging on by a thread and is you know grasping onto the last rung of a ladder and trying to plug them in to plug a hole. That usually doesn't work, and it's expensive in free agency, and it prevents you from allocating resources to other parts of your club. We feel like we are sustaining um, in terms of our depth for a number of years now, and you're not just doing it with so-so. You're doing it with 
good to excellent all the way from top to bottom. A quick, quick Marco appreciation post here because he, he gets left out in these conversations all the time. Uh, at the time of this recording, Marco, 136 starts as a Mariner, nearly 140 appearances, a 399 earned run average. Of course, he's been an opening day starter multiple times. He's been here for the whole thing, yep. right? He's seen this from the rebuild to what it is right now. And if Marco's your five, man, that's you feel really good about that. I will add on to the Marco appreciation post with, I think everybody remembers how the season was going, um, specifically in May. The Phillies came in here. We did not have a good series. We're going on the road to New York and Toronto. Uh, and Marco went out and he beat Scherzer and Gaussman, as I recall, yes. and outpitched them both in road environments when our team desperately needed wins and series wins and to get back on track. That's your fifth starter who went out and beat two of the 10 best, 15 best starters in baseball on the road when our team was just hanging on by a thread. Uh, he saved our season, and that's just always been who he is. He's an awesome competitor. He rises to the moment. Um, it's he's he's really special, and it speaks to where we're at now that he gets left out of these conversations, probably unfairly in most cases. You know, one of the stories for me, speaking of the rotation, one of the big stories for me when I think about this season are all the adjustments we've seen from guys. I mean, it's been just about everyone on the rotation, Robbie Ray, Gilbert, Kirby, of course, Munoz, the new slider in the bullpen. Adjustments that have paid huge dividends for your team. How do you view that kind of big picture, both individually from the players, but also kind of the system environment and how that all works? I think the biggest thing for me is I think it speaks to a trust and a, a sort of a positive culture that we have. Major league pitchers, whether they're rookies or veterans, don't usually try new things in season. It, it just doesn't really happen, and I think it speaks to the trust in our systems, our programs, and most specifically the trust that our, our pitchers have and, and Trent Blank and Pete Woodworth. That type of communication trust is really hard to do in a major league season when everybody gets to see if it goes bad. You know, when George Kirby comes back from the All-Star break and essentially adds a two-seamer and turns into the best pitcher in baseball the second half, that doesn't happen if he doesn't believe that we can do things to help him. You know, Andres Munoz kind of struggled out of the gate a little bit. You know, he was he was figuring things out. He'd never really done it in, in a, an extended stretch in the major leagues. We knew he had great arm talent. His ability to trust in Trent and, and, and Woody to help him through, to try new things, to be willing to turn the dial like a little more slider, a little more, a little less fastball, now a little more fastball, a little less slider, and find the right mix for him. Um, it's it's really special, and I think that comes, you know, success begets success. My guess is Paul Seawald is telling Andres Munoz, these guys know what they're talking about. They really help me. And my guess is Logan Gilbert is telling the veterans, I've tried things throughout the minor leagues. These guys know what they're talking about. And that, that type of credibility is earned over time, and it, it is a huge credit to our analysts, our major league coaches, our player development system, and our scouting group that they consistently – get buy-in from players when we acquire them. One thing, we, we kind of buried the lead here with Mariners assistant general manager Justin Hollander. When, you know, when Castillo's extension was announced, who was on ballpark camp in a sport coat down on the field with the bright lights and the headset talking with Sakakis? It was this, it was, it was Justin. Now, I mean, did we make, did we make, Gary, did you and I, did we make Justin Hollander into a media mogul? I, I mean, I would say... I think that's a firm yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, these I mean, things. it's kind of obvious. Yeah. Yes. These things don't just happen. Okay. I may I mean, need to add another sport coat to the repertoire <laughs> of two. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you handled yourself very well in ballpark yeah. cam. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, you're the big I looked time directly bit. at the camera. I uh, I ignored the music they had playing oh, in yeah. my ear, mm, um, yeah. which was a bit distracting. Um, did I you laughed almost, at Vaskersian's jokes. So did you like, almost call Matty V. Gary? Just to get yourself in yeah, the, just get to in the mindset. Good about yeah, it. it was a comfort zone thing. I did yeah. live in San Diego for a long time oh, when so, Matt oh, was there, perfect. so we you know, we had and we'd uh, we'd cross paths for at a time or two. So there was some comfort, not the same comfort that I would have with Gary or you. Well, it's you not know, the same. It's fine. Matt's Matt's great. Yeah. He's great. You know, big time. Some people think he's fine. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. No. Uh, well, you you sounded great. You look great, uh, and we're glad that I, we. I shaved in everything that day. So. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You are a little scruffy right now. Yeah. But you know. We, that makes us feel good. That makes us feel good that, yeah. you, that you feel that comfortable. And you have your slippers on also, so that makes us feel good also. <laughs> hey, as you look at this now, you know, the Mariners, more than maybe any team, which is maybe saying something, they preach process, you know, more than almost anybody. I know every team preaches process, but the, the process for the Mariners from the, I mean, can we call it a teardown now? Or for the reimagining to tear it down, to build it back up, to first-round draft picks, building the rotation, then acquiring guys through whether it be free agency or trades. and I mean, so much has gone in from so many avenues. And, Justin, it's like it's all coming together. That must be remarkable. It must be kind of tough for you to zoom out every once in a while and say, man, the process was not as honed quite as sharply as it is where you sit right now. We knew that would be the case. Um, we knew we would learn lessons over time. I think even the best teams, I don't know if you – if you talk to the people that have done this year over year, whether it's the Cardinals or the Braves or the Astros or the Dodgers, the teams that have consistently won division titles and been in the playoffs over the last 20 years, I think they have evolved a lot over the years, and we need to continue to do that. Mm. Um, you know, we haven't done anything yet, truly. Like, our goal is to, to build a World Series winner. We want to build a team that's capable of doing that year over year over year. That requires constant adjustment. I will say that if I flash back to how I thought this was going to go at the end of the 18 season to how it is today, I think we've done okay. Like, we've hit on a lot of things. We've gotten better over time. And it kind of speaks to how hard it is to do this to get it right. There are individual moves that in hindsight didn't work. I think in aggregate, a lot of things have gone right, and we've gotten some good fortune and some good luck along the way. And I think the one thing that we've done really well is tried not to miss opportunities. When there was a moment to make a trade that we felt like was a, a bit of a short-term hit for a, a big long-term gain, we were willing to do it. In the draft, we were very disciplined about how we approached the top rounds of the draft, whether it was focusing on top end or the best player available or safety if there was no top end and not sort of artificially creating top end. We've been r really disciplined to that, and I, I think it speaks volumes to what we've done in player development too because – you know, whether it's players coming through and impacting our club this year, like George and Cal and Logan, and I can't believe I left Julio till fourth. <laughs> but uh, Julio, like that doesn't ha that doesn't happen by accident. There's a ton of people that that touch those players every day and week and month and year. They were in our system, um, and what we have going on with young players coming to the big leagues and, and really being the driving force behind the success we've had so far this year. Um, that's an organizational win. That Those are organizational uh, victories, and it takes a lot of those victories to go from where we were at the beginning of the 2019 season to today. How important, in your view, is development, and not just in the minor league system, but 
players from other orgs or even at the major league level continuing to develop. I mean, if we can go full circle to what we were talking about like three minutes ago, that, you know, George Kirby didn't have a two-seamer when he came to the big leagues. Development doesn't stop like the moment they select your contract and you come to the big leagues. You have to continue to get better and look at the best players in the league. You know, Max Scherzer is different today than he was when he came to the big leagues. Mike Trout is different, a lot different today than when he first came to the big leagues. The, the, they've had people in their lives that have helped push them to make changes for the positive, to adjust as their body changes, to try and get better. And we need to continue to do that as well. Um, development is the reason that we're here. Ty France is better today than he was three years ago. And that's mostly a credit to Ty, but it's also a credit to our staff that worked with him and helped him get better both offensively and defensively. And you can go around the diamond. J.P. Crawford is way different today than he was the day we acquired him from the Phillies. And some of those things are almost solely attributable to J.P., and that's because our scouting group got what he was like inside, what his wiring was like correct. And some of those are attributable to Perry Hill or Jared DeHart or any of the other people that touched J.P. Crawford, Scott Service, um, and sort of made him our captain because of his natural leadership skills and his wiring. And the, those things are, again, organizational. Uh, it takes a whole organization to get those things right. Let not be lost on this season that when the Mariners were approximately two weeks before the All-Star break, I moseyed by Hollander's office, knocked on the door, and said, you got a minute? We sat down, got out my digital pad of paper, and I said, Justin, tell me what you think about this math. I think the Mariners need to do win this many and lose this many just to have a chance at being relevant in the second half to make the final wild card spot. And we kicked it around a little bit. We came on a kind of a consensus number of what the Mariners had to do in their last 15 games before the All-Star break. And then the Mariners won 14 in a row. <laughs> but, I mean, it is amazing. And that's what you had. That's what I had. Yeah. I said, you know, if you just get on a 14-game heater, I think you're pretty – I think it's going to be – it'll pretty cement things, I would think. I mean, it, it just is remarkable. You mentioned earlier Marco saving the season – uh, in, in the early in the first half, the twists, the turns, the low points in May. May seemed to be like kind of a hard month for the Mariners <laughs> in recent years. And then last year and this year also, right, the, the, the quick right-hand turn that they take, it, it has been a really a pretty wild year in a lot of ways. Plus, the, the roster moves in terms of extensions and debuts and Julio, I mean, the whole thing, this year has kind of had it all. It's been a Years total, off my life. Yeah, I mean, I was, it kind of leads me to like, has this year been fun for you? It's been awesome, uh, but, but, but exhausting. My, my hairline has dramatically suffered from it. Uh, my sleep has dramatically suffered, but that's kind of why we do these jobs. Sure. You know, it's, they, they, it is fun. It's never boring, um, and the, the group has made it fun. I think this is the best team, and I don't mean the most talented or they're going to win the most games or whatever, but this is the most true team we've ever had, the camaraderie, the culture is far and away the best group that we've ever had. And that has made it really fun. The, the way they care about each other, the way that rubs off on our fan base, our coaches, our staff, like they're just fun to be around and they care so much about each other and they play the right way. It's, it's been really, really fun. Uh, Next year, I'm hoping for like a hundred wins, <laughs> like, like a bunch of 14 game win streaks that are mixed in with a couple. Like, ah, oh, we lost two out of three that one. That's a bummer. But uh, no, it's uh, it has been a joy to be around. Well, Justin, we can't thank you enough for the time, man. It's always great to catch up with you. It has been an incredible season. I will let Matt know that I am done with ballpark cam. That I am a. <laughs> 
a, a one yeah. medium person. Exactly. We have, we have exclusivity. Is, Hollander yeah. exclusivity. Yes. They have to clear it with us. If, you know, now, I will say, if we if we don't have a need for you that day, we we can let you opt out. But we do have uh, we have right of refusal. Yeah. I think it's Final set. Thanks for negotiating the opt out. You got it. You got it. <laughs> See you guys. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.